everybody. Welcome. This is Countdown to Infinity and Avengers Initiative. I guess we'll just go around and introduce ourselves right now. My name is Ray Ruzo. Uh, if you've listened to other podcasts on Dueling Genre, you probably have heard me on Geek by Night. With me here, we have Chris O'Connor. Hi, this is Chris. If you heard her on Geek by Night, then you definitely have also heard me on Geek by Night, because I'm one of the other major players on Geek by Night. I play uh, Gibson. In that show, we play uh, superheroed comic book proprietors who proprietate their comic book shop with superpowers. And then also I've been on the uh, flagship uh, movie podcasts on dueling genre. A couple of times I've been on the, uh, the back to the future minute and Spider-Man minute. And then uh, uh, me and my, my fellow uh, three co-hosts who are not here right now, but will maybe be with us some other time in the future. We do the teenage mutant Ninja turtles minute, which as of recording this, we're just about finished. But by the time you hear this, it will be finished. So the whole thing is there. If you want to listen to us talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one minute at a time, it's all there. And so, yeah, that's me. And that's the podcasting that I come from here to you now on Countdown to Infinity. Congratulations on getting that done, by the way. And also with us here today is Becca Raybergen. I'm never going to forgive you for doing this, by the way. She's a complete newbie to podcasting. So let's all be very, very nice to her. I'm glaring at Ray right now. Anyway. Glaring doesn't work on podcasts. I am one of Ray's best friends. And she basically drafted me into doing this. (laughs) Said, hey, Becca, let's do a podcast. So we're doing a podcast. And it's going to be fun. We're just going to talk about the Marvel movies and kind of especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think we're all going to have fun. And I think you'll have fun listening to us. So. So it's it's really Chris's fault that we're doing this whole thing to begin with. You want to you want to share you want to share how you got us doing this? I suppose it is my fault. And this uh, we, we threw this whole thing together because uh, I was on Facebook, as I am every day. I didn't even bother to check to see if this is accurate. And I assume that it is simply because of the fact that everybody went along with it. And the idea is that starting in the first week of January, as you will be soon, soon to be loyal listeners, if you watch a Marvel movie every week, you will finish just in time for Avengers Infinity War. Because this is sort of the lead up to the third Avengers film, we're sort of working under the assumption that if you're listening to us and counting down, um, you've probably paid attention to the Marvel Cinematic Universe before. So just a kind of a blanket spoiler alert. Um, We're going to be looking at the movies as they play a part in the whole of the MCU. We might be talking about Captain America, the first Avenger, but there's stuff that we might bring up from Avengers or from Winter Soldier that's relevant. So just heads up ahead of time. If you want to watch ahead, we absolutely encourage that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And generally the assumption is you already watched ahead. And if you haven't, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. And honestly, it doesn't take that that long. We got through seven movies in two days. Yeah. From 12 (laughs) o'clock, from 12 o'clock yesterday to what, like six o'clock today, I think. And we, we, we got like real sleep. So yeah. I guess the first thing we really want to talk about is how the MCU happened, because it kind of feels like it was a major fluke. If you look back at Marvel's movie history, why don't we just start off with Howard the Duck? Because Howard the Duck is a thing that existed. (laughs) Can we not start with Howard the Duck? (laughs) I mean, why not? It was like 
The first w- uh, we could not start with Howard the Duck, but I think we should start with Howard the Duck. And also, to be fair, Howard the Duck is not the first uh, Marvel cinematic outing. It's just the first one that most of us remember. There was a uh, a live action um, like a. Uh, Captain America. Well, of course, well uh, I was about to say, of course, it was live action, but it was 1944, and and at the time there were definitely animated Superman shorts that I remember seeing as a kid, which are classic. But I've never seen like the 1940s Captain America thing. I think I've seen like some clips of it, um, but you know that's neither here nor there, and, and none of us have seen it, so we don't have much to say about it. Wasn't that the one where they like didn't have to pay any money for the rights to the character? They just used it as like. For free, I, I think. I'm not sure how that worked. Maybe Marvel donated it to the war effort, so to speak. But I think uh, the like the couple of random clips of it I've seen is like Captain America is sort of a spy, but he's like wearing his outfit and he's like inv- in, involved in like noir crime stuff with spies and he's got like a gun but the mask and the, whatever it's it was the 40s things were different and it was also you know before marvel was really marvel it was still timely comics yeah. back then oh yeah yeah so uh, i mean that that gets us to yeah howard the duck 1986 produ- executive produced by george lucas which i was really surprised to discover that it was just executive produced i thought that george lucas like directed it which was would have been weird because like it's it's bad it's like so <laughs> It's so, so bad. Like, I saw it when I was a little kid. Um, I think it must have been like 89 or 90. I saw it on VHS when I was like 9 or 10. Um, I think I saw it at like uh, the house of like one of my parents' friends. We were in Germany at the time. So it was like, you know, we'd go over to other Americans' houses and hang out a little bit. And it's like, oh, what what VHS do you have? I got this one. Let's put it on for the kids. Put it on for the kids. <laughs> put it on for the kids. Put it on for the kids. And then two minutes in, there's like play duck and, and duck boobs, which was a little confusing. But I, it was like, okay, that's fine. That's, that's fine. But that wasn't half as confusing as what came later it, with the uh, oddly inappropriate relationship between Leah Thompson, haha, Back to the Future's Leah Thompson. Nice tie-in. Thank you very much. Getting it back to the Dueling Genre Network with uh, Back to the Future Minute. Uh, Leah Thompson had a had a, a strange relationship with a very short duck. Clearly, it was the That's... predecessor for B movie. Yeah, it was so awful <laughs> that Marvel didn't really uh, have many many movies like immediately after that. Ah, uh, like uh, I think the next uh, what is what's next on the list? Like Captain America and no, uh, no. We have Punisher. You're missing Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> direct to video in the United States. It was direct to video. It was direct to video. Oh, poor Dolph. Um, as was the 1990 Captain America. Well, that one makes sense. I've seen like clips of that, and it's garbage. Um, but but yeah, the the the, the Punisher one that should have gone into theaters. I, I'm kind of surprised. It had a limited theatrical release um, overseas. Mm. Yeah, uh, just just enough for the critics to say it was bad. Probably. All right. All right. Well, as the oldest person in this podcast, uh, I will I will tell you youngins about how Marvel consistently fails to make good. Well. I say this now, not having finished um, the Punisher Netflix series, and it and Punisher was great in Daredevil. That was some your fan, epic disappointed fan. either. 
How, well, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a significant sigh. It's it's sort of a sigh of uh, frustration and consternation and and bewilderment, really, because Punisher should be the easiest movie for them to make. Because how many great action movies are there where protagonist has family killed, is really angry about it, goes out and kills everybody else? He doesn't have any superpowers. He doesn't fly. He doesn't have laser beams. He has no special effects need to go into this other than blood squibs and blanks. That's it. It should be the easiest Marvel property to make a good movie out of. And yet. I'm pretty sure they do that franchise now, only it's got Liam Neeson in it. It's called Taken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. To be fair, to, he he's managed to keep his family alive. Fair enough. That's true. Uh, but, like, the downside is you end up with something that can be really generic. Like, I'm not yes. saying that anything bad about Punisher. I, I love especially what um, yeah. John Bernthal has done with the character. John Bernthal's incredible. He's so good. But um, you could make like a Frankenstein monster out of a bunch of other action movies and get... And get the Punisher. Get the Punisher. I was just thinking, um, Charles Bronson in Death Wish, you could have like... If you were to take Adobe After Effects and slap a skull on his shirt in that movie, perfect. (laughs) That is the best Punisher movie right there. The Punisher's like skull logo is it's sort of, you know, ubiquitous. It's easy. It's it's, you know, naturally intimidating. There's a reason Marvel went with it. Um, And, it you know, it has a certain coolness to it. And it can also be it it is also pretty ugly. Um, You know, like, have you ever seen them? That Mitchell and Webb, like the skit where these Nazis are like in a in a pit and they're like, so I've never thought about our logo before, but, uh, you know, the allies have like stars and lions and all sorts of things. And we've got skulls on them. Are we the baddies? And it's just like, yeah, you know, if you're if your yeah. logo is a human skull and you're killing everything, it's like you're pretty bad. But anyway, so, yeah, that that has kind of permeated like. Um, gun culture at large and uh, military. It makes sense in the military. I hate it on cops. Yeah, no, Ooh. cops need to this, yeah. that's a fundamental misunderstanding of A, being a cop and B, what Punisher is and what Punisher stands for. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really oof. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, so so, so just being able to take like a, a modern like piece of software and slap a Punisher logo onto an old movie and make a great Punisher movie, this is the thing about the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie that makes no damn sense, none whatsoever. He never wears the Punisher shirt. <laughs> he just has a black T-shirt the whole time. I'm Blasphemy. Like, what? What is yeah. this? What nonsense is this? Instead, he has like these throwing knives that have a little skull on the bottom, like on the pommel. It's like a, a it's like a a, a a forged skull. And it's like it's like cops. Easy trace 101. Yeah. It's like, who made this? Who could possibly have made these throwing daggers with skulls on them? Hey, guys, call these knife companies. See if anybody's put in an order for throwing daggers with skull pommels. It's like the. Y- no, he would just spray paint a skull onto his shirt. Come on. But, you know, so we're finishing out the 80s and the early 90s. Touch briefly on the 90s Captain America and Super the Fantastic briefly. Four film. Yeah, that never was meant to be seen. Oh, the one that man. nobody really knows about. Like literally not meant to be seen. Have you guys watched it? 
like the I no. I don't know if it's you said it was on YouTube, I don't, right? It was. I saw it years ago in its entirety on YouTube. I don't know if it's still there. Um, we'll go ahead and look for it, and if it is. We will put a link up for you. Or you can just find it yourself, of course. I'm sure you've got the Google skills. But uh, I watched it, and uh, the thing about that is no one, literally no one was supposed to watch it. The, the Fantastic Four movie in 1994 was made simply to maintain the rights for future use, because it was like, it was one of those, if you don't use it, you're going to lose the rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't tell anybody actually making the movie that they were never going to release it. So you have all these people who are like, I got the part of Sue Storm and I got the part of Johnny Storm. It's good. This is going to be great. I'm going to be the human torch and I'm, there's going to be action figures of me and I'm going to be the thing. And That poor guy who had to be the thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. He had to wear that yeah. rubber suit for nothing. Oh, my Just, God. I'm like, he must have gone home with like really uncomfortable, like, chafing at the end of the day they did not have body glide in 1994 (laughs) but here's the good thing this that was sort of the last of the horrible mistakes because the next marvel film to come out was when they were packaging basically yeah when they were optioning off these films and right. starting to really get dedicated. By then, Marvel Studios was officially a thing. It became a thing in 1996. Yeah. And Blade came out. So uh, in 96, the first um, character group to be licensed was Blade. And so that to New Line Cinema. So that was the first movie that came out. That was 1998. So it was really the, you know, grandfather of them all in a lot of ways. And that is a good movie. It is. Yeah, Blade, like, I didn't. I didn't read Blade as a kid. Like I never. I think I saw him in the in the uh, the nineties Fox Kids animated Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I saw him a couple times in there, and of course because it was the Fox Kids Spider Man. You know, <laughs> he didn't actually kill Mobius. Mobius wasn't actually a vampire. It was a little weird. But so like in high school me seeing Blade one, beautiful. And then the next property to be optioned off was X Men, yeah. and that. This movie is so good that I studied it for a college course because there is so much thought and depth put into this movie in terms of oppression, civil rights, Magneto, the Holocaust survivor. And it worked a lot with like, you know, relationships between the characters, which is always such a good thing to have. I didn't even want to see it when it first came out. Like, I (laughs) no, it's true. It was summer camp. And they were going to be like a group of people going to go see X-Men and a group of people who go camping. And I didn't want to go camping, but I didn't want to see (laughs) X-Men. But then it rained, so no one got to go camping. So I sat up front and I just fell in love with that movie. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Oh, man. And we kind of uh, we we glossed over it a little bit, but like when um, like selling Blade, selling X Men, selling Spider Man, selling Daredevil, so basically th- those packages that you mentioned, that was mm-hmm. all because Marvel Comics, was Marvel Entertainment Group, was it just comics or Entertainment Group? Uh, Marvel like, Entertainment the, Group. Yeah, it was the Entertainment bankruptcy group. in like uh, the mid nineties, right? Like there was that sort of comic book bubble of the late 80s and early 90s where people are like, I'm going to invest in comic books and this comic book is going to be worth so much. No, it isn't. Everybody bought that book and kept it under plastic. They're they're all like hermetically sealed. They're worth a dollar. It's it's not actually that. But anyway, so Marvel Comics like exploded and to 
desperately stave off the, you know, the the banking hounds. They took everything they had and so because like um for the longest time for decades i think stan lee and like a lot of the the editing group like a lot of the the major like executive group at marvel were constantly trying to make movies happen make tv shows happen like we didn't talk about the tv much but there were numerous you know the hulk tv show was a success yeah spider-man live action tv show less so and tons of animated series animated series were really their wheelhouse for a long time they actually had licensed off Spider-Man in the 70s, and nobody was able to make a movie out of it. So the license yeah. just reverted back to Marvel. Yeah, if oh. you... I don't have all the details, but a Spider-Man Minute, hosted by Scott Corelli and Zach Luna, they go absolutely crazy over... Like, in the, in the early episodes, talking about the rights to Spider-Man and, like, what happened and what sort of projects were going to be made and who was signed up to do what, when. And if you want to get the full story, definitely head on over to Spider-Man Minute and, and listen to what they have to say about that, because it's, it's amazing. Spider-Man. Spider-Man's amazing. Anyway... <laughs> No, it's great, but like as you there's a lot of like hits and misses in this sort of period of time where they've optioned off these character these characters cuz you have, you know, you have some big hits like you have X2 and then you have some big flops like The Last Stand. <laughs> 2 to 3. <laughs> Spider-Man 3 was kind of a big kind of the same, yeah. Same. And yeah. um oh. let's let's talk about the use of Evanescence in Daredevil. Uh. I'm sorry. High school me really liked that. <laughs> I, I enjoy Daredevil. I have like the director's cut version where where like uh, Coolio's in there. It's good. I like it. I mean, I like the Daredevil Netflix series yeah. a lot better. Mm-hmm. It's a much better product. I think the last time I watched Daredevil, you know, 2003 version was like three in the morning. It was on TV. And I'm just sitting <laughs> where it gets buried now, because that's where it gets buried now. But I was just laughing my ass off about John Favreau being foggy. And I'm just like, you're just, yeah. you're happy. You're not foggy. You're happy. You're not foggy. What's going on? And why are you all these adjectives? Happy, not foggy. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the 2003 Hulk. Oh. Oh, the 2003 Hulk. Which they tried. They had been working on developing that movie since 1990. Oi. Yeah, so go back to that uh, Punisher movie in 89, right after that was when they started on Hulk. And it went through so many different rewrites. They were supposed to film it in 97 for a 98 release. Wow. Yeah, you had guys who ended up being, you know, big names in the MCU as directors uh, were supposed to be working on it. You had J.J. Abrams doing rewrites on it. And then eventually... Ang Lee pops up, and then Eric Banapthine's on. Yeah. All because it's Ang Lee. The music was done by... One of his buddies, one of Ang Lee's friends. Yeah. And then they're like, oh no, it's too weird. We're, we want to call Danny Elfman in to save it. And then Danny Elfman <laughs> kept a lot of those uh, uh, those elements. That's such a funny statement. <laughs> this is too weird. Yeah. Let's bring in Danny Elfman to save it. <laughs> I mean, I love Danny Elfman. I love Danny Elfman, but it's just a funny statement. There was apparently also supposed to be, like, weird insect men <laughs> as villains. And then, of course, the absorbing man who was, like, created from Bruce's father. Yeah, and like, Nick Nolte. Evil Nick Nolte. They brought in the Hulk dogs. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just... You know, for me, Nick Nolte and Gary Busey have always been the same person. They are the same they person. Are, they're not the same person? They're not different people? <laughs> what, they just move really fast? It's like a time remnant. <laughs> Have you ever seen them in the same place together? That's exactly what I was about oh. to say. 
so oh yeah yeah but but so it was going to be insect men you know that might have been better than um hulked out poodles but apparently the insect men i don't think were from the original hulk comics and the hulk dogs were what so that's why they kept them in or something i don't know i don't know there was weirdness about like the one of the last directors who was attached to it in the late 90s was like it was going to be his directorial debut Mm -hmm. and he got mad that he wasn't getting like that it was taking too long he's like i wasted nine months of my life on this thing (laughs) and you're right laughs they spent yeah they spent 20 million dollars on script development oh man (laughs) how much did the movie end up making um let me see domestic gross was 132 million with a budget of 137 Ugh. but it made 113 internationally okay so it was you a know. total of 245 all right that's not bad but yeah there's there are notes that some parts of some of the rewrites um ended up in the 2008 norton movie so we'll we'll go into that in a yep. couple of episodes and and it, it's also uh, you know there's it's interesting to note like we should have brought it up on 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 the first one on X Men uh, a certain somebody pops up on that two thousand two thousand X Men are his initials J W huh well no are his initials okay, J W that guy that guy does well, pop up as, yeah. as as like script stuff but I was talking about a certain uh, K F uh, oh yes that guy Kevin oh, Feige yes. his first like big credit he I think also had an he had a uh, producer's credit on Blade too, I think. So Kevin Feige like got in there and uh, has he's been on this for for a, a good long while now. He's been around, yeah, for for, for some time. He's really uh he's the one pulling the strings, and he has been for quite a while. Yeah. Also, he's only forty four years old. That really freaked yeah, me out. Yeah, no, he is, he's really not that old, which is no. kind of alarming. Like, I was I was kind of shocked. Like, I'm 35, dear listener, so you know how old I am. And and when I saw that he was only 44, I felt genuinely unaccomplished. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, also, we all have the same hours in the day as Lynn Mountainwell Miranda, yeah, so. Yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> well, unless he has a time turner. <laughs> he does. Okay, he then I feel better does. because he's the only person who could be trusted to wield that thing <laughs> appropriately, other than Hermione. So yeah, the Hulk was uh, that was a moment. Yep. And then Thomas Jane's Punisher. That was also a moment. Yep. It was again, um, you know, with the sort of like this should be the easiest thing for them to make, but it just didn't. It was just weird have you seen this one yeah i saw it it's been a long time since i saw it but i do remember it i remember travolta's the bad guy it is it is better than the dolph london version i mean not that that was too hard but it is better it's a couple steps up in the right direction and i think that it's better than the hulk movie and it's certainly better than x3 and spider-man 3 um but at the same time it was just kind of not really the punisher it was like, wait, why is, you know, his Machiavellian scheme to get the bad guy to kill his wife and friend. And I was just like, uh, why did they bother to make this clever? I, I don't get it. Yeah, no, yeah. Frank just drives his van into a building and that's. Yeah, he's the Terminator. That. He's he's yeah. a human Terminator. And and there is no subterfuge. Yeah, he's he's very clear about what he does like that's one of the things that i appreciate when he wants you dead he wants you dead and he's gonna kill you yeah that's tunnel vision it's not wide lens i was kind of like you know i I can see what you guys did here and this is an interesting thing it's just the wrong thing yes it did there were also two fantastic four movies that happened yeah Yeah. i Mm. 
have seen the first one and not the second, and I... Whichever one had the blind character feeling things face, I think I saw. I, I may have seen both mm. of them, I actually. I, they, I have no memory of of the first one. I have issues with Mr. Fantastic as a character. Just I have visually issues. Visually trying to make a live action stretchy dude yep. creeps me out. So I'm a very yeah. like visceral. Is, um, Can't yeah, do it. Thing. But hey, but you know, Chris Evans. Yeah. yeah, Chris Evans, who, you know, got a second chance that he did. <laughs> got a second chance. And then some. So that pretty oh much God. brings us up to, you know, 2005, 6, 7, which is when Marvel goes, hey, you know, we got the rights to Iron Man and Hulk. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a matter of like what they had the rights left for, because, you know, like they, they can't they were never going to get Spider-Man back or at least they, you know, at the time it was like there's no path to us getting Spider-Man back, no path to us getting the X-Men back. Fantastic Four is not coming back. Daredevil not coming. None of this stuff's coming back. What do we still have? Basically, we have the Avengers. And like even then with like Hulk, like I think Hulk's rights are still are still messed up. Like Universal still has like a, a dib on them. Yeah, yeah, they have the right of first refusal. Ugh. So jerks. And what I think is really interesting, just in terms of timing with what was going on with the comics and the movies, is in the comics the Avengers had just disassembled. I think because Scarlet Witch went crazy and killed a bunch right. of them. And you had the House, you of had M. House of M. Yeah, House of M. Yeah. And I think right before that, when was Extremis? Hmm. Extremis was a little bit before yeah. that. And I think we'll, we're going to talk we'll a little talk bit about, about that Extremis. Iron Man 3. And we can talk yeah. a little bit about an Iron Man 1, because that sort of set the scene for Iron Man. And I think on that note, we have given you the rundown of Marvel's lead up to the MCU. So join us very, very soon for Iron Man 1. All right. Anyone got anything to say before we sign off? Real quick, real quick. Uh, Pre-MCU favorite Marvel movie. Ooh. Ooh. Um, um, X2. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with X2. What uh, about you? I'm trying to make a snap decision and it's really hard. See? Mm. You brought this on yourself. I did. I did bring it on myself. It's either X2 or Spider-Man 2. X2, Spider-Man 2, X2, Spider-Man 2, X2. Yeah. Three for three. Three for three. Woohoo! X2 is We'll the talk best. to you guys next time. All right. Adios.